my dudes, my name is Tiffany. Welcome back to my series, Internet Analysis, where I like to research and discuss things relevant to social issues and media. This is another episode of me ranting about how housing is a human right. Today, I wanna to talk about renting and why it is often such a hellish endeavor. If you can't afford to buy a place to live or don't want to, you only have one choice. Rent a house, apartment, or room from someone else. But since everyone needs a place to live, that process is easy, right? No. In this video, I basically wanna share some of the most common complaints that we experience as renters. I'm sure it will be very relatable. I've had kind of an unofficial series on housing, and I think it's just that it's so cathartic to vent about these problems that so many of us experience. Renting is hard. Ideally, we would have plenty of time to tour multiple places, carefully consider your options, then submit an application, get approved, and sign your lease. But the housing market is bonkers, and not just for buying, but for renting as well. In many cities, apartments can be listed and snatched up within a few hours. Gotta love the market though, good old supply and demand. Competition is good for everyone. So, assuming you're able to find a decent place, can you even afford it? Rentals have minimum income requirements. A lot of times you need to make three times the rent each month. So for a $2,000 apartment, that would be 6,000 a month or 72,000 a year. In New York City, the usual requirement is that you have to earn at least 40 to 50 times your rent in a year. So for that same $2,000 rent, that would mean you need to earn at least 80 to $100,000 respectively. Plus, of course, you've gotta have good credit. So if you and your roommates don't earn enough, how can you get a place? You might need a guarantor, who is essentially someone who co-signs the lease with you and guarantees that your rent will be paid on time. But guarantors often have way higher income requirements, like in New York, it has to be 80 times the rent, which is 160,000 in our example. Many renters, especially young people, rely on their parents to co-sign their leases. But what if you don't have that kind of support or your parents couldn't qualify? It's a horrible situation to be in. There's a lot to get into. This video is only a small snapshot of the ways that the housing market management companies and landlords impact the lives of renters. But housing is a human right and it should not be this hard or this expensive to have a roof over your head. Please may I have the landlord special. If you're a renter, I'm sure you're well aware that the standard of living in many rentals is pretty low and it's kind of by design. Enter the landlord special. Things in my landlord special apartment that just makes sense. Drawers that aren't actually drawers. Popcorn ceilings that could kill me if disturbed. A light switch that does nothing. Painted over hinges. Painted over cords. Painted over electrical boxes that are not up to code. Ah, uh, the landlord's urge to paint over everything. Is something dirty? Just throw some paint on it. Some dead bugs on the windowsill? Maybe you should pick them. Nah, why clean when paint exists? And I personally am really grateful for this trend because as someone who loves stark white paint when it's like chunky, <laughs> just so many layers. Cause it's not just all the walls in my living space, but the cabinets, the hinges, the outlets, they all match too. And I know another layer of white paint can solve just about anything. But what about those pesky problems that paint can't solve? It is your landlord's job as lord of the land to come fix any problems that arise. They are the owning class, they have the capital, this property is their investment. Surely they would keep everything in tip-top shape. Having a maintenance problem needs some plumbing work? Leave me the fuck alone, actually, I fucking hate everything in my fucking life. I asked about this topic on Instagram, as usual, and many responses noted that when they put in maintenance requests, their landlord makes everything they do for us seem like a favor. 
Boy, you're lucky I was free to come by when your door broke. I wish I had someone that would come by and fix things when they broke at my house. You're not doing anyone a favor, man. It's your job. In exchange for us paying your mortgage, your part of the deal is that you're supposed to handle all this shit. Landlords always talk about the intensive cost and labor of owning a property. You renters have no idea what it takes. Being a landlord is a job. Yet they cry when they actually have to do anything. Or more accurately, hire someone to come do the thing. Or God forbid, have to pay to replace something in their property. The truth is, sure, they own the place. Or maybe they're not even the landlord. Maybe they're just the property manager. Either way, they don't really care what the experience of living there is like. They just want you to pay your rent so they can make the most money from the least work possible. Before we continue, this portion of today's video is sponsored by Kitsch. Even though the water pressure in the shower sucks and the paint is peeling in the tub, Kitsch products make my shower experience much better. Let's talk about bottle-free beauty. I am always interested in products that help me lower my plastic waste, and these are Kitsch shampoo and conditioner bars. My hair is getting pretty long again, and I usually wash it about twice a week, and these bars will last me at least two to three months. Kitsch bars are vegan, cruelty-free, with no sulfates, parabens, or or phthalates. I chose the rice water bars because they're good for strengthening and smoothing. They're scented with essential oils, which smell really nice and subtle. I haven't had a caddy like this for bars before, but it is so next level because it lets everything drain all the way through instead of letting the bars melt or get really soggy. I'm always happy to use less plastic bottles, but honestly, this also just looks really good and it takes up less space. And lastly, I also got these satin pillowcases, which help to protect and smooth my hair and prevent frizz. So here Here's a little before and after. After rocking braids in a hat for maybe too many days, I love nothing more than the feeling of freshly washed hair. It looks and feels so good. If you want to try out Kitsch, you can use my link in the description and my code to get 25% off your first order. They ship in the US and to 27 more countries. Thank you, Kitsch. Let's get back into it. Okay, so in this next section, I kind of just want to talk about apartment complex things, which by the way, currently dealing with noise on all sides. Um, my upstairs neighbor are running around a little. Anytime somebody flushes, I hear that for a good five minutes, but it's fine. No, it's not. They just flushed again. Like filming a YouTube video is definitely not the hardest thing in the world, but living in an apartment and hoping for enough silence to be able to film for two hours is quite an ask. So basically, earlier this year, we were moving out of state and we couldn't physically apartment hunt ourselves. So we were just reading reviews online for every apartment complex we came across, any places we liked, and then we got scared off from many of them because of terrible reviews, nightmare management companies, bug infestations. So we just hoped we'd be able to find a decent place. We did, we applied, we got approved. We didn't have any pictures or videos of our actual unit or even a similar one. All we had was a floor plan. So I just stared at that and tried to imagine the possibilities. Finally, move-in day comes. We're seeing the place for the very first time and it looked pretty good. We're filling out the move-in inspection sheet, trying to be thorough, take photos of everything so you don't get blamed for it later. Classic renter things. Then we noticed some bigger things like, oh, part of our floor is like lifting up. One of the toilets wasn't working. Well, at least we have in-unit laundry. After living in New York, that is honestly a luxury. But oh, the washing machine isn't working either. Okay. So we turned in the inspection sheet and we're talking with the office managers who were already aware that there were like five or six more things that maintenance still needed to finish. And I was just like, you know, we just did a big move. I'm a little tired. Why isn't a place move-in ready? 
when you're moving in. And by the way, I don't blame the actual maintenance staff. I think they are overbooked all the time. I blame the complex and just like apartment complex management in general. Shouldn't move in ready mean like zero remaining maintenance issues and a clean place? So I was reading some landlord subreddits uh, as research for this video, and I wanted to know how they handle maintenance. And one landlord posted, obviously, they don't want to lose money with having too big of a gap between tenants. So of course, they aim to minimize the amount of time that the unit is empty. But then this person was saying their usual turnaround time is like less than 24 hours between one tenant moving out and the next moving in. And you might ask, how could they possibly get, you know, all that maintenance and cleaning done in such a short amount of time? They don't. Instead of taking a couple days or a week to make sure that a unit is, you know, flipped and in great condition for the next tenant, some of these landlords, like OP in this post, just plan to have to do all of that later, once the tenants moved in, which seems like an incredibly inconvenient time to do maintenance. Wouldn't it be nice if you could do the maintenance while nobody's living in the place? Or am I just stupid? But really though, the last thing anybody needs when they're moving into a new place, dealing with all the stress and everything else you've gotta do, is have maintenance shit to deal with right away. So anyway, that brings me back to our apartment complex story. And I know that our complex had a week in between the last tenant moving out and us moving in. I don't know if they intentionally planned to leave some maintenance stuff for later just to like save themselves time or let the maintenance guys go do other stuff. Maybe this was just a fluke and they just couldn't get everything done on time. I don't know. But long story short, it ends up taking maintenance like a week to show up. And the worst parts were they didn't tell us a time. They didn't like book an appointment for us. They just kept saying maintenance will come tomorrow. And then they wouldn't. But we had to wait at home just in case they did. And the small issues all weren't really urgent. It did suck not having our washing machine because we ended up having laundry to do. Anyway, I tell this little anecdote not because it is a nightmare apartment story at all. It was a little frustrating, but honestly still on the good side of the rental experience spectrum. But what I hated the most was having to call multiple times because nobody's getting back to you. Oh, hi, it's me again, sorry. And then feeling like I'm annoying or high maintenance, no pun intended. Or that it's an inconvenience for me to be asking for these things to be done. But that is bullshit. Tenants have every right to request maintenance and expect that to be done in a timely manner. We were definitely in a privileged position. We were able to stay home and wait and our problems were not severe. But many tenants get guilt tripped for needing maintenance and they have full-time jobs outside of the house, which makes it even harder to schedule when to get that stuff done. So now let's talk a little bit about why properties are often managed so horribly. Again, when I was reading reviews, trying to figure out where we could move, it's like looking up a restaurant's reviews and being like, oh, that looks pretty good. And then you find one horrific review that you just cannot get out of your mind and you cannot imagine eating at that place. Except every apartment complex has horrible reviews. I know you should take stuff with a grain of salt, there are just sometimes some angry tenants who maybe are exaggerating, but also it seems like every complex has nightmare stories and infestations and terrible management because spoiler, many of these complexes are all owned by like a handful of the same horrible management companies. Like with almost everything under capitalism, it's all about the bottom line. It's not about how to make this property a great place to live for tenants. It's about how they can put in the minimum amount of work, effort, and cost while bringing in the highest rent. 
ultimately they know we've all got to live somewhere. We don't have many other choices. If it's not one shitty complex, it's going to be another one. But no matter what kind of renter you are, the dynamic between renter and landlord involves such a massive imbalance of power and money. As a renter, you can feel powerless in situations where your home is not maintained properly or landlords are very unresponsive to your requests. And these companies know that renters are very unlikely to litigate or seriously complain. Plus, litigating is expensive and can take years to resolve sometimes. Therefore, these companies often get away with cutting major corners because at the end of the day, the renter is just one missed payment or one slip up away from eviction. And here's an example, the beleaguered tenants of Kushnerville. I read this article years ago about Jared Kushner being a slumlord, basically, and I think it's the perfect example of horrible landlords and property managers and the helpless position that many renters are put in to. Kushner is Donald Trump's son-in-law. Both families, the Trumps and Kushners, have made much of their fortunes in real estate. The Kushner real estate corporations have specifically sought out affordable housing complexes, bought out owners who were struggling financially or in foreclosure so that they would get a good deal, then exploited the majority low-income tenants who have little access to legal help or awareness of their renter rights. Kushner's companies have an endless track record of suing tenants for things like forgetting to return a $10 laundry card or breaking the lease, even when those tenants were given permission from the prior owners. And why were people breaking their leases early? One family left after black mold in their apartment sent their son to the hospital twice. This article explains how the company went after previous tenants who lived in these properties before the company even owned it. They were hounding low-income people for years, garnishing their pay or their bank accounts over a few thousand dollars. Their legal costs were way higher than they would be winning back, so why would a massive corporation pay their lawyers so much to chase down such small claims? Honestly, because they can. Continuing on, this is something that became a driving force of a lot of this script, and that is security deposits. The purpose of this is to provide security for the landlord so that they can sleep well at night knowing they've got a few hundred or even thousands of dollars of yours just in case you damage anything. So you've been a good tenant. You make sure the unit is clean. You maybe even patch some holes or fix little things before moving out. And still, it is not guaranteed that you're gonna get your deposit back, which sucks twice as bad because to move anywhere else, you're gonna need that money for your next deposit. Landlords can cite a lot of reasons for withholding security deposits, including failure to pay rent, unpaid utilities, lease breaks, and property damage beyond normal wear and tear. That normal wear and tear one can become very subjective. I've charged you $300 for leaving dust on the baseboards. I'm gonna have to clean that. And 200 more so that I can add to my white paint collection. The carpets are actually in great condition, but I'm gonna replace them anyway, so you're gonna have to pay for that. And I'm keeping the rest for the emotional damage it took to do my job for a few minutes. So to try to avoid all of that landlord deposit fuckery, most renters will do anything in their power to try to prevent damage to not lose too much of their deposit. So how can you best keep your full deposit? Well, keep things clean, obviously. Limit damage, especially to the walls. This means limiting decoration or personalization of your living space. Oh, you wanna hang some art or anchor your furniture? Paint a little bit or throw up some wallpaper? Nope. And I don't really hear this talked about that much, but I think it is a really powerful part of being a forever renter. No one wants to live in a lifeless, 
white box, which is what many rentals are. I hide from my popcorn ceilings and gray walls. I wanted to point out, sometimes white is not the worst. Clean white can be nice, depending on what aesthetic you prefer. But rentals also typically go for gray, beige, and those can be equally bleh. Making your space feel like home should not be a luxury reserved only for homeowners. It really sucks to be limited in the ways that you can decorate. You know, you don't need a perfectly aesthetic, trendy apartment necessarily, but especially as we all learned through COVID lockdowns, your living situation can make a huge impact on your comfort and your headspace, even more so the more time that you spend at home. Landlords also have control over how you decorate any outdoor space, be it a yard, patio, balcony. So my apartment complex told me that my bamboo fencing is unpresentable and I need to take it down. I'm not trying to claim it's cute, but I put it up so that the cat wouldn't jump off the balcony. So I asked if I could do netting or any kind of curtain. I said that I would make it look really presentable and they said no, that it has to be just the railing because the railing looks presentable. Which, whatever, except the railing doesn't look presentable. It looks like this. There is peeling rotten paint. If I touched it, it would just flake off. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to get accused of property damage, but I understand wanting to prevent like obvious eyesores, but often the rules are very strict and unreasonable. There are renter hacks that are not really hacks, such as using command strips for anything that they can possibly hold, or thumbtacks instead of nails. Fill in any holes you make with some spackle. P.S. I saw that people say that they use toothpaste for that. Oh, it does the job, it looks fine, good as new. Excuse me? Like, I'm just thinking like structurally. I don't think toothpaste does the same job as that spackle stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong. Can you imagine just a whole wall, like after years and years of it, it's just full of toothpaste? Fuck it, it's not my house. Anyway, some renters even risk more intensive DIYs like peel and stick wallpaper or that peel and stick cabinet and counter covers or the classic, fuck it, I am just gonna paint and I will repaint everything white before I go. I admire that. As someone who has lived in rented apartments for probably 99% of my life, it actually made me sad writing this part of the script because I realized that I've never been able to like paint a wall in my room. Why am I crying? I I need to stop crying. I My tear rights are taken away. Just childhood uh, things resurfacing. Really though, it's not that deep, but maybe it is that deep. Like I remember my friends who lived in houses, they got to personalize their rooms and have like really ugly, <laughs> I'm sorry, the pink and brown Roxy phase, remember? Like another friend had like a dark purple room or a pink room. Like I never even got to consider what color I would want to paint because we couldn't paint because we were renting. Anyway, again, I think that it matters. Another completely separate thing while I have my soapbox here. While we're talking about deposits, who the hell came up with pet rent? Pets cannot work. They don't know that we live in a capitalist society. It literally makes no sense to me. I know some pets can cause serious damage, but my dog, for example, yes, he will destroy every toy we give him within a week, but he has not caused any damage to our apartment. And most cats, I would assume, don't do anything either. Shouldn't my $1,000 or whatever amount general deposit cover everything if there were to be pet damage? Instead, I'm paying, say, a $1,000 refundable deposit and I'm losing my $500 non-refundable pet deposit, aka a pet fee, plus I pay a few hundred dollars more each year in pet rent. So having one pet could end up costing me an extra $1,000 a year. 
And it's even worse the more often you're moving because then you're just paying those pet fees all over and over again. It's simply bullshit. The more that I thought about this as I was writing it, the more angry I got. So next, let's talk about moving condition. All right, you've gone through the application, you've paid your deposit, you've paid your rent, you're finally moving in. As a renter, you know that when you move out, you've got to clean, clean, clean. So you're expecting, I'm about to move into a clean unit, right? Well, what if move-in condition sucks? Too often, tenants end up having to do extra work to undo or fix what their shitty landlord did. For example, undoing or cleaning the landlord special. Nobody should have to move into a place that is starting at that gross of a level. And this is not just about issues that look ugly. Many of these are actually also safety issues. Again, on my Instagram, my followers told me a lot of their personal stories, horror stories with renting, and many people mentioned having serious problems in their place that their landlord left for months or even years. For example, mold. Having mold is such a common problem that I think we've all just become desensitized to it. Now, I don't want to spread any misinformation when it comes to the health impacts of mold, but at the very least, chronic mold exposure can cause allergic reactions or respiratory problems, especially if you have conditions like asthma. Mold is a tough issue as a tenant because many of us don't know what to do or how to handle it. You move in somewhere and there are dark spots in the bathroom or on the walls or the windowsills. Is it just mildew or a stain or is it possibly toxic mold? So you call your landlord and say, hey, I think I have mold. Can you come fix it? And then they send maintenance over. Maybe they just wipe it off or, <laughs> of course, paint over it. It is covered in paint. It's dripping down the walls. It's actually covering the bottom of the tub, stripping down into the shower. You might be thinking, hey, at least there's no mold anymore. But they just painted over it. They didn't clean it. Landlords are so quick to complain about tenants. Oh, renters are dumb. They don't understand. They don't know anything. Mold is not this huge issue that tenants like to make it seem to be. But we run mold tests every time. I suggest the landlords go to Home Depot and Lowe's, buy the mold test, keep them on site. So if somebody says they have mold, you can immediately nip that in the bud and shut that right down. Because, you know, they're going to start squawking and call the building inspector, the minimum housing inspector, I got mold. So you want to shut. Well, landlords have a history of ignoring problems like these or literally just covering them up with paint. And a lot of the time they don't do the testing. That man said he did, so that's good. But yeah, if you're not testing, you're not taking it seriously, you're not addressing any of the root issues of why things are damp or not drying up or circulating the way they're supposed to be, and if you're not willing to pay for professional removal when there is indeed mold, then yeah, sorry that tenants don't have much faith in you or aren't willing to trust your assessment. I'm going to read a couple more examples that were sent to me on Instagram. Our balcony is falling apart and our landlord has been saying he's going to fix it for five years now. My water heater goes out all the time and I keep telling them and when they check, it's fine. My bedroom ceiling collapsed due to negligence of the apartment management. The carbon monoxide detector went off so I called the fire department. My landlord screamed at me and threatened me to never call the fire department again because they're breaking fire codes and don't want to get caught. All of these are serious problems, but that one especially. So many horrendous fires, floods, and other tragedies have been caused or worsened because of dangerous conditions that are not fixed by landlords. Early this year, there was a horrific fire in the Bronx that killed 17 people, including eight children, many of them of Gambian descent. The building had tons of safety violations and hundreds of complaints that were ignored for years. 
These problems are all too common and they're even worse for marginalized communities, people in poverty, and immigrants. So with all of this, throughout this whole video, but especially in terms of like dangerous or harmful issues, it is so important to know your renter's rights and share that information with your neighbors if you can. Again, please check your local laws, know what applies to you, but hopefully the more often that tenants do fight back and know their rights, maybe landlords will feel forced to be less shitty if they're fearing the consequences. And lastly, I wanna talk about move out condition. We are leaving. Again, if you want any chance of getting your deposit back, it is recommended that you leave your unit in moving condition or better. First of all, why the fuck would I leave this place in better condition than when I moved in? No, thank you. While researching this, I was wondering and trying to find out if there is any standard for who is responsible for what cleaning between the landlord and the tenant. I've always done the best cleaning I could, you know, Nathan and I, we move out, we get our whole deposit back, which is great. I know, again, it can be a roll of the dice, honestly, but I want to know, like, is there a rule? Are landlords required to do any specific cleaning? And also, I have moved into places that were definitely not perfectly clean, which leads me to believe that the landlord did not have it cleaned between tenants. I found this on another landlord subreddit. Is it the responsibility of the landlord to clean an apartment before moving in? The apartment I just moved into isn't filthy, but it has some dirty spots and could definitely use a cleaning. And someone replied, this happened to me. I told my landlord in a non-dickish way. And he just told me he'd take $150 from the deposit of the last person and use it to hire a cleaner. In my opinion, that is bullshit. It sounds like this place was just a little bit dingy, not terrible, and I don't think that warrants taking any money out of the last person's deposit. I fully understand cleaning before you move out, leaving things in broom-swept condition, but I don't think the previous tenant should have to deep clean for the next. That is the landlord's responsibility. Last tenant leaves the place in good condition, and the landlord hires professional cleaners to get it up to great condition for the next tenant. They get to move into a nice clean place, as you should. And for the landlord, um, that's the cost of doing business, baby. Landlords really do try to get tenants to do everything upon move in and move out. It's like, again, what work are you doing here? Hmm? This is one of those situations where it's fun being a landlord. These tenants were fantastic. This is how they left the place. They had a professional carpet cleaner come in there and they gave us the receipt. They left the place mostly clean there was just a little bit of cleaning we had to do there were some light bulbs we had to replace here's some touch-up painting we have to do here's some additional touch-up paint but when the place looks like this i am not gonna complain about this this one made me laugh the landlord said that like they weren't complaining about the amount of work they had to do but the way that they said it made it sound like, oh no, there's still something to do. Oh, so sad. I'm getting so snarky, but like, how can you not be? After thinking about landlords for a good two weeks. I think holding the deposit over the tenants' heads is a way that landlords can basically coerce their tenants to do everything. And then no matter what you do, again, you do everything right, you give notice, you clean, you return all the keys, and sometimes you still don't get your full deposit back. You could try to take that to the small claims court, but it is a pain, and again, not everyone has the time or capacity to do that. At the very least, it is so important that you always take lots of pictures and videos anytime you move 
in or out. Protect yourself with some proof. To end this video, renting should not be this shitty. I know you've heard it a million times from me and Bernie Sanders, but I'll say it again. Housing is a human right. And at some point, we all have to acknowledge that we are in a system that only a few benefit from. Here are some last takeaways that I got from Instagram. The fact that I don't qualify for a mortgage when I've been paying someone else's for a year. As a renter, it feels like you are the product, not the customer. Living in fear that you will be priced out of your apartment every year. So again, please look up your renter's rights, know what your rights are as a tenant, and also note to self, I want to keep an eye out for local renters unions and any groups advocating for tenants' rights. Knowing who to go to when you're being exploited is key. Also, I want to check out some YIMBY groups. Yes, in my backyard. Not NIMBYs. YIMBYs. I hope that this video was somewhat cathartic to listen to, or maybe it was just anger-inducing. I got a comment on my last video of someone, I think, genuinely asking, like, how or why I write such negative videos. Like, oh, does it suck to always be researching such shitty things all the time? And I was like, hmm, <laughs> good question. I just think that these topics are either important or fun. And yes, some of the reality of especially American life is extremely depressing. Hmm, a lot of it actually, but I'd rather talk about it than not, you know? So to all of you watching, please know that your right to a happy, safe, comfortable living space does matter and no one should tell you otherwise. Thank you so much for watching this whole video. Let me give a shout out to my sweet, sweet patrons. If you want to support me on Patreon, we got bonus content. We've got a monthly live stream. Extra thank yous to my executive producer tier. Uwuface, Abby Hayden, Cassandra Toner, Eric Danielson, Freshly Laundered, Jaden C., Jackie King, Jill Hoffman, Joe Fernandez, Josh Woods, Julie Leva, Justin Landis, Casey Luck, Kristen Holloman, Kristen Manger, Marty Schmeichel, Matthew Gray, Megan Collins, MegCat33, Nicole Louise, Online DBT Skills, Rebecca Goodson, Rob Sanders, Rohana Barden, Sarah Kemi, Stevie May, Tessa Thompson, Tom Walker, Treffa, and VivianOladon.com. And one last thank you again to Kitsch for sponsoring this video. Once again, if you want to check them out, use the link in the description, use my code, get 25% off your first order. That is all. Stay tuned for future internet analysis episodes. Okay, thanks. Bye.